Puss in Boots. Uh, he has, he has, he he's already lived through eight of these lives, right, guys? Um, mm-hmm. If we had to do like a like a ranking on how sexy each of them would be, it, it has to be muscular puss, right? No, drunk puss. Yes, Dr- I like drunk puss, but I think objectively, big beefy muscular puss in boots is you know it's hot. It's in right Maybe now. Maybe he's got the sex appeal, but the drunk puss is definitely more fun. Oh, absolutely. It's <laughs> all right. I don't like hearing the words drunk and puss together. It makes I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Welcome to Film Class Heroes, everybody. Hi, everybody. Hello. We're back. We got him. We are here. <laughs> Who do we have here? You got Turner. Of course. Uh, it's Cody. And it's John. I like the of course. <laughs> Thank That's you. his thing now. That's yeah. great. Yes. Uh, we got a pretty packed episode for you guys today. Oh, I'm so excited. This is going to be such a, a lot of great discussions today. Yes, we also have some meaty questions that you guys left for us. Um, again, I've been slacking. I've been busy. We will put together a professional question segment trend that you guys can post on. I'm getting to it. I apologize. Um, you but- can also, uh, if you want, I just want to throw it out. You can leave a review, uh, I believe, on Apple Podcasts. There's also a Spotify question segment. Um, if you want to reach out to us on any of those platforms, you could do that, too. Yes. And uh, Cody and Turner have been working on timestamps for each episode as well, which is awesome. So mm-hmm. look at those. Yay. Um, how's everybody doing? I'm doing good. How are y'all? Very, very, very pleased. Very, uh, very excited today. Bing chilling. Bing chilling. Bing chilling. <laughs> and bing chilling. Uh, we have some movie news, if you guys want to talk about movie news. Oh, absolutely. Um, did any of you watch the Scream trailer? The full one that dropped? Oh, I did. I wasn't aware. It's I also didn't. actually really cool. <laughs> um, it looks like a lot of fun. Um, and it basically does kind of confirm the speculation that Matthew Lillard is back as Ghostface, um, which is very... That, that's got me um, excited. Yeah, it's it's different, which I like. It's, it takes place in the city, which is awesome. Um, and it does kind of look like the entire film is kind of one long runaway from Ghostface type thing, which is pretty cool. That's crazy. That's going to be really cool. Yeah, kind of like a Fury Road type thing, where it's all the one continuous chase that's driving the plot. It looks like it's going that direction, which is very cool. Um, But I mean, it looks like a lot of fun. It's got good gore, even in a green band trailer, which is awesome. Um, And it looks really exciting. It's just the only one that doesn't have Sidney Prescott in it, which is a little concerning. Oh, man. We will see how that comes out, but I'm I'm happy with what I've seen so far. Mm -hmm. You guys should watch it whenever you get oh, it. Oh, yeah. Because it looks entertaining. Um, aside from that, the big movie news of the week. Um, the Last of Us TV adaptation. The first episode dropped on HBO Max last Sunday at 9 p.m. Uh, I know, Cody, you haven't got the chance to see it yet. Not yet, but I'm, I'm very excited to. What do we... Uh, Without spoiling anything and really getting too deep into it, because Turner and I have seen it, mm-hmm. Turner, how do you feel about it? Uh, I'm not, like, very familiar with the game. I watched a playthrough of it, mm-hmm. like, when it came out originally. 
Um, so I don't like know how accurate it is, but I really I enjoyed it. I thought it was like you know the beats hit and it was just really well constructed. I felt I felt it didn't have like any like pacing issues really or you know I think I it went over pretty smoothly. Um, I enjoy. I agree. I enjoy what they're going for so far. Um, I'm a major Last of Us fan. I have a tattoo of The Last of Us. Like it's it's my thing. I've always loved it. So the adaptation is terrifying to me, but I'm sure that anyone listening, if you've been on the internet in the last week, you've seen the reviews, you've seen the rave. People are loving it, which is great. Um, me personally, I think it's good. Um, oh, that's just good? Okay, that's concerning. No, no, no. <laughs> I think it's good. They just, they, towards the end of episode one, they do some very interesting things um, with character development that I am not super keen on at the moment but we still have eight episodes and i'm sure they're gonna do some more so that's why it's hard for us to talk about with just one episode out because we don't know what's gonna happen they're deviating a bit which is fine so we genuinely don't know what's gonna happen um if you guys want to hear a full discussion on this probably when the whole thing is out we'll have like an episode devoted to it um but for right now I think we kind of agree with the majority in the sense that we like yeah. it, and we're interested to see where it goes. That's that's very Indeed. exciting. Uh, do you guys like really put an emphasis on accuracy in adaptations like that, or as long as it's well made? Uh, what well, do something like The Last of Us though is just so perfect on its own. So it's hard because most people watching it don't want a straight shot for shot remake of it because mm-hmm. then they'll just go and play the game. So deviation is fine. As long as it's, you know, in service of the story and the characters that we fell in love with in the first place. Which they are doing. I'm okay with it. Um, There's just one thing that happened that I don't really want to get into where I was like, that is a huge missed opportunity. Uh oh. um, I'm the only one that has that complaint so far, so (laughs) Uh, I don't really know how. uh, how big that's going to play into the rest of the show, but we shall see. Maybe I'm just being nitpicky because I love it so much. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not a stickler for uh, accuracy, you know. It's as long as I it compels me, I guess, and that's vague. I know, yeah. but um, well, there are shots no, in the show so far that are perfectly mm-hmm. plucked right out of. The- they look incredible. Like the the um, if you played the game. In the intro, when Joel, Tommy, and Sarah are in the car, and it's that very claustrophobic thing from Sarah's perspective, and you're looking out the windows and everything, that is redone in the show. Mm-hmm. And it looks fantastic. And you get the same reaction that you got from the game. And they even change the car accident, which is very cool, um, without spoiling anything. But, Cody, you're going to really like that. Oh, boy. That that was pretty dope. Yeah. <laughs> and I like the diversion, too. Um, yeah, I, I think everything up into the 20 years later portion of the show is quite excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, love how they opened the show. Um, with the really, really, really cool, like, yeah. really, really cool. So, um, mm-hmm. loved that. Everything past the 20 years, I have a little gripe with, but you don't know yet where it's gonna go. So, not much to say. All right. We're going to talk about Puss in Boots. Mm-hmm. Here. Yes. <laughs> um, how many times have you guys seen Puss in Boots 2? 
Just the once. I've only seen it the once, but I really, really want to see it again. <laughs> I have seen it four times. <laughs> Let's go, John. So, I have been telling people since January of 2022, when I saw the first Puss in Boots 2 trailer, that it was going to be good. And nobody believed me. Everybody looked at me like I had six heads. I've been telling everybody at my job, it's going to be good. Get ready for it. No one believed me. And now everybody's in love with it. I like to think that I am the first Puss in Boots 2 fan the out originator. there. Originator. Yes. Um, but it's great. Again, same with The Last of Us. I'm sure you've heard everything on the internet right now about mm-hmm. it. Um, and it's up to the height. It's awesome. What do you guys think of Puss in Boots 2, The Last of Us? It's, prob- it's probably one of the most solid, like, kids' films I've ever seen in terms of just, like, there, there's, ever. like, there's, like, there's, pl- like, ton- there's setups and then payoffs. And I think that's kind of, you know, rare. And the the yeah. amount of, like, payoff there is for, like, even just small things is mm-hmm. is phenomenal, I think. I think it really keeps it, – it keeps you engaged, which is, like, I agree. my main – the main pro- – like, I don't want to say problem, but, like, that's, like, the main hurdle with a kid's movie is you have to be, like, simple enough. Like, you know, kids can understand it, but you also need to, like – you don't want to torture the parents, Right. Yeah. And there are adult jokes. Oh, yeah. Quite yeah, a few. there's plenty. Oh, yeah, yeah, DreamWorks is great yeah. about, you know, putting some stuff in there for the for the adults. Yeah. But also, to... I think... <sighs> <laughs> I think also um, the adult jokes are just like, haha, look, uh, you know, sex and farts mm-hmm. and uh, cuss words. It's also mm-hmm. like relatable, like, adult things. Which I well, think it's a relatable like, movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's a it's a kind of harrowing film about mortality. Indeed. God, I wish I was I wish I was a small orange tabby cat with a space. He's sexy. I really wish I was. (laughs) He's a sexy man. So what we think about the beard? The beard of yeah, Puss in Boots? Puss in Boots beard. I, I wasn't big on it. (laughs) Well, it's only in there for a bit, but he's he's still a sexy boy. I'm a fan. Of How it. do you guys like the animation in general? Okay, well, we need to talk about the okay. animation. Um, I'm going to say the most controversial statement of 2023 so far. Okay. I think the animation in Puss in Boots 2 improves on the animation in Into the Spider-Verse. Whoa. Because it's style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I like the paintbrush aesthetic of Puss in Boots even more. I think it looks incredible. It is probably the prettiest animated movie I've seen and I couldn't even tell you how long. Like there there are shots in this movie where I'm just sitting there and I'm like, that is absolutely beautiful. Like the the opening fight sequence between the giant and when he's swinging the bell and everything. Oh, great. Absolutely oh, incredible. And the animation just completely feeds into it and it's the reason it's so good. Like they it does the same Spider-Verse thing where they slow everything down to like four frames a second and everything and it just mm-hmm. it, oh, it looks so good. I love it. I think also um, the the way that it's animated in that like Spider Verse is is more leaning into the two D style. It has like the the you know the two D shading and stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas this it takes the three D typical animation. The, it's everything's still very round and it has depth, and you know adds two D elements to it. So I think it combines yeah. the two a lot mm-hmm. better and like smoother. I would say so. I get that. Yeah. yeah. That- 
Well, the thing here, too, is it's every single frame of animation in this movie tells a story, which is the coolest thing. Like, there is no wasted shot in this movie. Like, even when Puss is fighting the wolf and his his two scythes come together and it looks like his face and everything, like, it's just so oh, good. so good. So I good. love it. Uh, do you guys, I, I don't know if this, uh, kind of had an effect on you guys too, but I would look at this and then they would be the Shrek characters, right? <laughs> you would have the Pinocchio, you would have literally Shrek and Donkey in one scene. Do you think the animation gelled with it? Um, it's, well, it's in it so minimal that I really couldn't tell you. Yeah. And I'm interested in what they do with Shrek 5 animation. Yes, Absolutely. I hope it doesn't stray too far from, like, the original, like, Shrek, though. I hope they don't, like, really make it, like, some big, like, anime-inspired, you know, 2D Like a Shrek retold? Yeah. <laughs> I would love that, though. That would be really good. I think that is what our Shrek remake is. I think we just have to declare it. That's the official one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Shrek retold. I like. Um, how do you guys feel about the, the characters, actually? Well, I love death. <laughs> I mean... Ugh. He's incredible. My favorite part characters actually were probably the uh, um, Mama Bear, Papa Bear, Goldilocks. Interesting. I loved that. I think I completely agree with you. I loved them so much. Interesting. It's also where like I liked them. I feel like I almost like they're they're such an um, they're also like an emotional anchor too for the film. Yes. And I like how they're not like they're yeah. not like villains. Like they're working against Puss, but like I feel like they're shown much more charitably than like they're like they're death they're criminals, or... but they're not. Villains. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, so was Puss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But th- there's just so many opportunities for characters to hit those exact cliche beats that we're so used to, and they don't. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The yeah. dog, the dog character, mm-hmm. easily off it being like, oh, the comedic relief. Oh, look at him. He's dumb. He's funny. Ha ha ha. But there is an emotional core to every single one of these characters. I think one of the most powerful scenes in the movie is when Puss is running in anxiety and fear from death and has the panic attack on the tree, and the dog doesn't even say anything to him. He just lays on him and calms him down instantly mm-hmm. because you pay off of the dog previously being like oh i want to be a therapy dog that's my yes yeah you get that payoff and you get just the sweet character connection between puss and perito and it's great and i love Mm -hmm. it so much yeah that that (laughs) that that part really that part kind of got me you know it was like i I really was like (laughs) like choking up a little bit (laughs) did any of you cry i did i shed a tear really at that I tear I, I I teared up a little. Was, I, I don't know if it, I don't know if the tears escaped my eyeballs, but they were in they were definitely present. <laughs> because the the dog really reminds me I have a little dog. And he mm. and, oh, yeah. and he has this big fat skin uh, hairless belly, just like burrito. <laughs> and so he's just like a little extra personal bias there, you know? Yeah, no, I get that. It's adorable. Um, we need to talk about death. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, I love death. I love everything about him. I love his aesthetic. I love how in a movie with, you know, like three different, you know, essentially villains 
um, how they all represent, like, different types of villains, how, uh, Jack Horner is evil just to be evil. Well, I love him, by the way. <laughs> we will get um, to Jack Horner. I want to talk about <laughs> death first. <laughs> um, yes. Um, uh, Goldie is, is evil due to circumstances, and then, uh, death is, is just, you know, this, this complete force of nature and like just mm-hmm. something that exists and follows Puss and Boots around. I and think I, it's incredible. Yeah. And I think we can all collectively say as three taxpaying adults that we are terrified of an animated wolf. He is scary. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And there, you get the stupid parents that are complaining. I don't know if you've seen those articles where they're like, oh, Pussy Boots was too scary for my- He's too scary. <laughs> Yo, come on. It's the point. Yeah. It's the point, and it makes it so much better. There, when there's actual stakes to your movie, people are gonna care. There's so many animated movies like Minions, where you're watching these minions get blown up by nukes and all this kind of stuff, <laughs> and they're perfectly fine, and no one has any consequence. Even the characters that are affected by it, no, like no, no one is. No one gets hit by it or anything. And then you have someone like Death in Puss in Boots, where the first thing he does as a character introduction is make the main character bleed in a kid's movie. He cuts his head. Mm-hmm. And it's so effective. It like kills the... him. It's awesome. Like, what a great character introduction. I love it. And I love his whistle. Oh, yeah. Ooh, so, it's the best. And he is also in almost every scene, and you just don't see him. In the, um... Oh. Yes, yeah. Giant scene in the beginning, he's there. He's always looming over Puss. He's always watching him. So I had good, noticed man. that. I mean, I noticed that he was, like, sometimes there, but I didn't know he was, like, almost always there. Mm-hmm. He's always watching. Oh, boy. And I love that. Um, Guys, Puss in Boots is so badass. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's awesome. He's just always partying. He's always and throwing Antonio his life Banderas, around. He's so by badass. the way. Incredible oh, it's a great performance. performance. So great performance. good. Like, the man went for an Oscar playing Puss in Boots. Mm-hmm. Like, like... It's so good. And Fearless Hero, by the way, song of the year, just saying. Banger. Banger. Absolute banger. Agreed. It was really good. Um, let's talk about Jack Horner. <laughs> let's get this over with. <laughs> Horner is the only thing I don't like about this movie. I, really? I really, really do not like him. I, I've seen this four times, and every single time I find him more annoying. I do not like Jack hmm. I'm sorry. He, he, I think he's, that's... I think that's the point, though. No, but, like, it's not that I don't like him because he's a sucky dude. I just don't like his character. He's like an Illumination character plucked into this movie for no reason. I don't think so. They're just for jokes that aren't funny. The only one that I thought was funny was um, the Jiminy Cricket just being like, you're horrible. That's funny. And and he flicks him. Oh, so good. Um, But, like, anything else with Jack Horner, I just found annoying. Like, he's just this douche that has this giant bag... Where he can summon anything that he wants at any time just for plot device, which was very annoying to me. It's a magic thing. What? It's a magic thing. It's it's like Fairy Godmother's uh, Office of Spells, you know? It's, yeah, it's, I mean, like... I, it's, it's, I Shrek like, has always had that kind of element, I think. I guess. I like the idea of making fun of the character in the sense that he's a fairy tale, not even a nursery rhyme that no one has heard about. Like, I get that, and that's funny. But what they do with him for the rest of the movie and everything i he every time he came on it just took me out i was like eh, he's really annoying i just don't really care about anything that he has to do here hmm. i get that i think he's really funny he yeah. I, I, <laughs> he, he has his moments for me but he 
he does. I think he is like the least um, exciting part about the movie, probably. Yeah, I just think he's there just yeah for kids to be like, oh, how funny, big man. Yeah, he's doing things, and and also in the butt. He, ah. he's kind of like because of like like the how the character death and like Goldilocks and them. There's no one. There's like he's the only villain, I guess, that can like get some comeuppance. You know, like he but he doesn't have to be there. Yeah, you have you have the main story of Goldie and the Bears as villains, and it it works. And then you get behind them, and you understand what's going on there. You have Death, which is the perfect villain that they could have written. He's amazing. And then you have Jack Warner, who's literally just there as a joke. And like, yeah, I think I think that's it's... his purpose as a joke villain, and I think he's supposed to. Kind but of it's too bounce much. off them and just provide a threat, but not super, be taken seriously. You yeah, know? but now now you have six villains in your movie, and like, and okay, so did Spider Man, and look at what the fuck everyone said well, about that's that. That's what I'm saying. Spider Man Three suffers from an issue where it has too many villains, and I'm not comparing this to Spider Man Three. I'm just saying, it, it, Jack Horner does not need to be there in the grand scheme of things. That, that's all. I just I don't like him. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, I got that. I understand. I'm, I'm kind of take it or leave or leave it. You know, I'm not too bothered by his presence, yeah. but it doesn't really help the film for me. Which is like kind of like you know, you could argue that like if he's not serving much of a purpose, why is he there? But, yeah, yeah. But I like Kitty Softpaws also. Yes. She, um, yeah. How do you how do you guys like, feel about her and, and Perito? They're they're good. I really like the um. The chemistry between Puss and Softpaws, and I love, even in a kids' movie, you have this story about how neither of them showed up for their wedding, and I love that. Yeah. I thought that was the whole time Puss yes. is carrying this burden of being like, I never was never there for her, and then he has the conversation with her, and she just goes, oh, it's okay, I never showed up either, which is awesome. I think that's great. Yeah. And I, I, that's probably my favorite scene of the movie. I was kind of surprised with how... um. I don't know, kind of how heavy, like that that part got about like the wedding, like when mm-hmm. Puss is like apologizing to Perito, like yeah. practicing his apology basically. Like I was like, that's kind of like mm-hmm. some hefty stuff to be in like a movie marketed to kids, you yeah. know? But like marriage probably. That's why. Problems. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I guess you can argue you need a character like Jack Horner that's going to relieve that tension and be the comedic relief. True. But that with Goldie and the bear mm-hmm. their brother like I don't know it's just... I think that's a more emotional you know it, there's a, a lot weighing on them too and that's really the relationship that got me in this movie was all of them mm-hmm. the bears oh. the bears yeah Goldie and, and her not feeling like she fits in and I I feel like that them reconciliating that was really mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. Um, I, I think with Perito specifically I, I liked him a lot more than I thought I was going to. Yeah. But too. his introduction sequence in the old lady's house where it's just like kitty humor and you know, secret life of pets, fun cats, whatever, I I feel like that bogged it down a little bit for me. I, I liked that it was, scene. It was still very you know, I thought it was cute, but it's you know it's very cute. I like the I like the lady in the piano. Father, I don't know. That was funny. Yes, that was yes, that was oh, very, yeah. very funny. But um and the music in this movie too. Is yes. Um, even just the, the the vocal soundtrack choices, like when 
Puss runs away from death for the first time and he decides to go to the cat lady's house and the song that's playing is this is the end and all that kind of stuff it, it's great thank you for reminding it just yeah it perfectly feeds into every single thing that's that, happening on the screen and if you're really paying attention to it you're just like oh. that, that kind of blew my mind the this is the end cover because I was mm -hmm. like, is it going to go to the part where he talks about uh, doing some things to his mother? <laughs> and then switch to Spanish. <laughs> I was like, oh, thank God. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and that shot, oh my God, when he's walking to that song and you're seeing the the transparent boots walking across the screen and he, yes. oh, oh my yeah. God, that shot's that, beautiful. That might be my favorite shot in the whole thing. Oh, so good. I, it's a great movie. Mm -hmm. I really, really, and I'm, very happy it exists in a world where we are so bogged down by animated films that don't say anything. Yeah. And now we have a film, Puss in Boots of all films, that comes out 11 years after the original <laughs> that says so much. It's just, you know, sometimes I guess things just get better with age. I like it mm -hmm. a lot. Have you guys seen the first Puss in Boots? Have I have not. Series? I've never watched it. <laughs> I Me neither. Seen it either. I've seen scenes um, of it, and I didn't really enjoy what I saw. Mm -hmm. But um, I love everything about this one, except Jack Warner. <laughs> Word. Okay. Um, you want to get into ratings for Puss in Boots? Do you guys have anything else to say? I'm good with ratings. Yeah. All right, what do you guys give Puss in Boots? I gave it a I gave it an eight out of ten. Yeah, I'd probably say eight. Me too. Ooh, word, puss in boots. So eight we agreed. Wow. Yes, let's go. Good where, movie. Where, give where, it money, where, please, because it, it's so important. Like, don't don't pirate it and everything. Just like, really go sit and give it money. I I work at a movie theater, and we show about twelve showings of puss in boots a day, and there is no one there. Mm -hmm. We get maybe one going at most. Give it money. We need more stuff like this. You vote with your wallet. Give it the money, please. <laughs> I, I, I agree. It. Go see it. Go see it in a the theater. Yes. Um, we have another movie that we would like to talk about today that has been floating around on the interweb, um, especially TikTok. Mm -hmm. And, you know, always that monthly, this is the scariest movie I've ever seen. Is it really a TikTok thing? Or, people, or is that what people are saying? Yes. Oh man, it's it's Come one on. of those, TikTok. and you know you can never trust those like your Megan is missing, etc. and stuff like that. Um, but there's a new film out called Skinamarink, um, and we all saw it, and we talked about it because I think this would make for an interesting discussion. So before I talk about how I felt watching it, I would like to know what you guys thought of Skinamarink and oh man, your viewing experience. I yeah, I watched it on my computer. And that's that's fine. I had mine on my fire stick. I use mine on my TV. Okay, that's fine. I turned on all the but, lights. It was crazy. Okay, you had. Did you have the lights off, everybody? Yes, I did have the lights on. Yes. Did you watch it with headphones on? I watched it with headphones on. Awesome. How did that affect you? Um, I don't know. Like with the movie, I because the tension is it is ratcheted up to like mm -hmm. the as high as possible. Eventually. Eventually, I just kind of grew numb to it. It was still unsettling. Did you have your headphones on high? No, not too high, especially after uh, the first jump scare. 
Right, I, so love what I'm the, at, I love is, the uh, hiss. Uh, is that what you're getting at? Yes. I love the right, hiss. Well, what I'm getting yeah. at is this film is very strange in the sense that I feel the only way it can really work for a viewer is if you are alone in your house in the complete dark with headphones on on full volume. And I feel that is the only way this film can really work for you. I saw. Oh, and 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 Avatar Two: The Way of Water only works if you see it in in 4DX. No, 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 no. Because, uh, IMAX. No, because come on. I saw Skin and Marine in theaters, mm-hmm. and it worked for me. But I think I would have had a much more immersive, better experience if I watched it on my laptop with my headphones on full volume. Mm-hmm. And you know what? No I, one in the house. You know what I feel like that is is. Did you guys grow up with like internet horror? Did you grow up with creepy? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Very Did you guys? Are you guys into like analog horror mm-hmm. videos? Yes, mm-hmm. I've seen. I've seen a the Mandela thing, whatever it is. Yeah. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, the right? Mandela catalog. Yeah. I'm yeah. Very familiar. Yes. Yeah. Which you can tell this is obviously taking inspiration from. Yes. Yes, and I feel like that's where where that comes. You know, you, especially as a kid, you we would be watching scary videos late mm-hmm. at night. I feel like the same thing applies to we're all going to the World's Fair, where it's playing all that nostalgia specifically. Mm-hmm. I agree. To, to utilize and like, and kind of, uh, put your guard down. Yeah. But it. <laughs> I like this movie. I will preference by just saying I like it. Um, I just think it suffers from some pretty ridiculous pacing issues <laughs> um, and some editing decisions that don't need to be there. For instance, there's about six jump scares that don't need to be there. The film is effective enough on its own and it's most effective when it's showing something on the screen with no noise, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, um, I mean, let's get into spoilers because I, I want to also hear what you guys think this movie's about. So, yeah. Um, when what's her name Kaylee is in the room and the dad and you just hear the voice and it's like look under the mm-hmm. bed and it's back up and everything yeah that scene have a jump scare until like five minutes after mm-hmm. but that whole scene is the most effective scene in the whole movie and it doesn't need something like that I um, agree the director uh, Kyle Edward Ball has a short on his YouTube channel called Hell which is his first draft of Skinamarink and it's 20 minutes long and it works so much more effectively in the sense that it doesn't overstay its welcome mm. <laughs> like I he's going for and I enjoyed it um but it is way too long oh wait is it is it go ahead. sorry go ahead no you go is it not heck the short film oh heck yeah my bad sorry sorry <laughs> I, I was no, trying to watch it last night I, I, I was confused um it's just this it cut 40 minutes down from this film, make it like a little over an hour, maybe mm-hmm. be great. Um, it's just, I get what they're going for and it works most of the time, but some real pacing issues, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the pacing didn't bother me so much. It really, the jump scares like completely killed the, like they're the annoying. Vibe. They're not, they don't need to be there at all. Like they, like, cause, yeah. cause I just be pissed off. I, like it happened, I'd be pissed. I'd be like, God, it was, it was like so close to like. <laughs> and it is obnoxiously <laughs> loud, like really, really yeah. loud. <laughs> and, but I love the presentation. It, it's like the these I like. I do too. It's like the camera was just like dropped and left. 
Calic, you know, mm-hmm, these kids yeah. have been completely abandoned. Well, it's 902 house. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So I, automatically you listening to this, any of our viewers, are going to be like, why is that entertaining? It's 902 angles of a house. Mm-hmm. I, can, I, can I defend it yeah, real please. quick? Yeah, no, go ahead. So, so not only do I think... Um, because it, it's you know it's a very very low budget movie it's it's all home yeah. made within this person's childhood yeah. home and i think it's almost like economical it's almost like you're using all of your resources you're trying to shoot this house and it's all just you know corners but you're doing it i think in such a specific angle in such it's everything's a little off center or everything's a little yeah uh geometric mm-hmm. i totally agree and then shots yeah right no, i agree as well. I, it's um i i tried watching um this is kind of like uh robert bresson's largent on one time I, I didn't get through it. It's um, these two kids go and try and use a a fake bill to like buy some stuff. Oh, this is on my watch list. I yeah, and it it has this really like meditative, slow, and a lot of it's really mostly just like still shots, like this movie. Like not there are not very many pans mm-hmm. and and I couldn't and I I thought it was really exciting to kind of bring this meditative style kind of to like to a horror film like like a haunted house movie essentially yes and I, I think and my fa- yeah. and it's all about like like I feel like the way they convey information like movement from one room to the next is it's not portrayed by watching the character walk into the room it's portrayed watching one door in the hallway open and close and another door open and close and the door and the, the toilet disappear. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's such a – it's like an – it's minimalism. But it's so I, – I think those are always the most effective parts of the movie for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like too. these small moments. Um, the thing I like so much about it is its presentation in the sense that it is so solely unique. I have never seen a film like this before, which mm-hmm. is yeah. in 2023 that somebody – well, I guess 2022. This isn't 22 to release, but – you know what I'm yeah. saying? It's it's solely unique, and I love that. Um, and I think that Kyle Edward Ball really has something special here. Does it absolutely? Tuned? I I 100% think so. But it still is very effective and solely unique, and I love that. I agree. It's that no matter you know if if you're sitting watching it and you fall asleep watching it or like try not to fall asleep <laughs> watching, it, but, um, it sticks with you. Um, whether or not you like this film, it will stick with you. I have seen it a week ago, and I think about it every day. Oh, I'm the mm-hmm. same. I'm obsessed with it. I just, yeah. I was, I think I was so effectively scared by it that I, I just like can't not think about it. Were you scared by um, it, Turner? Well, like parts of it scare me, but like every time a jump scare would happen, and eventually I think I grew numb to it almost. Mm-hmm. Like it almost like it just overwhelmed me, and so I just like put up a wall. Because I'm a sucker for like horror, like I'm I'm so easy to scare. Me too. You, you know the shot in Halloween where Michael just stands up from behind a car, and that little yeah. that little yeah. sting plays. I literally jumped out of my seat when that happened <laughs> when I watched the yeah. first Halloween, and it was daytime. <laughs> 
I wasn't scared by Skinamarink. Um, I was unsettled. Yes, unsettled, which is, I feel, is more the point than scaring you. The film is playing on a very specific fear that we all had as a child. Yes. And it, and it works. It's just, if you were a kid and didn't have that, then you're not going to get anything out of this movie. <laughs> you're just going to be bored out of your mind. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it you know? is it is very specific to, like, a certain generation. I do, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, you know I, I like to see what, like, what, like, my kid would think about Skin of a Rink when he's old enough to see it. <laughs> well, you, you would yeah. also be raising a kid in a society that is so technologically enforced. Yeah. Whereas it takes place in the late 90s where... All they have is their static TV to watch cartoons to occupy mm-hmm. themselves when they're scared they're alone in the house. Yeah, they they have nothing else. They don't have the phones. They don't have blah blah blah. It's, it's that's it. The, and that is where the moments in the movie, like there are these little moments of like softness, mm-hmm. and that's when the cartoons are playing with the kids. But that is also interrupted when it freezes for a few frames and gets really unsettling, basically proving that nothing is safe, which I like. Mm-hmm. I th- I think also just the, I I think there's the situations that these characters are put through, I like the beginning of the uh, Kevin getting hurt and having to go to the hospital, yeah, and you know also this this whole thing feeling like a nightmare, so you're really not sure what's going on, mm-hmm. but just like thinking how as a kid you would react if you know your door just disappeared or you know <laughs> your your dad was going crazy. It's I I think that's what really got to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I really love the uh, it's so it's so like minimally portrayed like the whole movie, but like I love the dynamic between the brother and sister. Yes, and, I like the. Whisper. And maybe I'm I'm like projecting because I have a I have a sister, and we were just like me and her. No, I I I think it is a very sibling and, related thing. Yes, and Absolutely. it's uh, and, and it's just like it's so like that. There's this kind of trust that is conveyed between the two siblings you know and camaraderie it's just in like the little ways like like the way the little girl asks like i think we should be quiet or like whatever she says right like she doesn't say like be quiet or something but she's like i think we should like that's very much like my own sister especially when she was younger how do you guys feel about the uh the ending shot did it scare you with the face yeah for me yeah oh like the lake mungo face yeah it was um that it probably that probably was the most unsettling part of the whole film i was just sitting there sadly going don't do a jump scare don't do a jump scare don't do a jump do not jump scare me (laughs) yeah but they did it it, which is great yeah i think that's and 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 just the just the unsettling what is go to sleep is so much more effective yes. than a jump scare most effective part of the movie for me was when you're kind of shifting through the dark and the whole movie you are you know it's that primordial fear of oh i'm staring into the darkness for so long that i see things that aren't there mm-hmm. yes it scares you the whole time and then there's the one scene where in the darkness you see a pair of eyes and it's the phone the kid's phone that is the best, most effective 
thing is when it's just there. But then it's it so scary. Jump scare and ruins. No, the that's my favorite <laughs> shot. I have to defend this. I love the phone. I love the payoff for it. That shot is great. I, I just I hate the jump scare. I, I, I don't. I don't know if you could sustain a whole movie just on the the tension alone. Do you guys have like a good example? But he of that? but he does. He does though. That's why I'm saying. That. But I feel like the jump scares have to. I feel like there has to be at least some momentary relief. You know, it's. It, but there is the momentary that's just, that's relief me, with the cartoons. That's the only place of solemn, you know, like. But to remind you, it's a horror movie. You know. But I I in the whole movie though that makes you have that anxiety. It works as a horror film. Without needing musical, well, it has no music, but you know what I mean, like the uh, obnoxious, like bing, and oh, stuff. Yeah. To do that again. Hear. What? What sound? What sound? <laughs> do that again, John. Bing, bing. Okay, okay, good. thank you. I needed to get that. I need, I need a clear uh, snippet of that. Thank you. Like, like even when you're watching the doll float and that's unsettling on its own and then it does a bing and it's scary, but it's not scary anymore with the bing. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I think, may, I think maybe it's, the- it's because I think the movie is like the way it portrays itself is so strange to have something so commonplace and understood be the method which you like. Like you know the ju- to like relieve the pressure. I mean, it just yeah. feels. I mean, I don't want to call it lazy because I don't like you know, that's derogatory. But it, but it, it but feels it, kind it feels of unconsidered. <laughs> if I'm gonna use a nice word, is it, you know it's just because yeah. the whole movie, the rest of the movie for me feels so like deliberate and like careful. But that, but yes, those jump absolutely. scares just like completely like take me out of that no yeah i agree i think this one thing this movie i'm gonna be really interested to see the people who get inspired from this go and make films yeah and i and of course kyle too you know make going on to make future films because i think this is a really interesting debut i mean uh Mm -hmm. it's it's almost I won't. I won't compare it. It's not like Eraserhead at all by David Lynch, but but it feels. <laughs> but I get. I similar. completely get. The it's point. like breaking. It yes. seems like it's breaking something because Eraserhead is also a simple story. You know, guy gets his girl accidentally gets his girlfriend pregnant, and they have a child, and he has to deal with that. You know, that's a simple story, but the way it's portrayed is so unique. Right. Yeah. Well, this is a very simple story as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's you don't even really get a story out of here. You know that one of the kids hurt himself, and that's really it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that the was missing. That that's all. No. So let's <laughs> let's get into what we think this film is. What what do you think the underlying story of the film is? Because like we just mentioned, you know that the kid gets hurt, mm-hmm. um, and that the dad goes missing. That's that's it. But under the surface, we know that there's a deeper plot at works. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you get out of it? What do you think it is? Um, I get what when the movie first started, with like the parents are split up, right? You know, I think they do make it that pretty clear is that the parents are mm-hmm. separated. I don't, you know, don't know if it's divorce or what. I, 
Can I say? I thought the mob died. I thought you did. That could be true, too. I thought she was dead. Okay. Huh. I think it's supposed to be ambiguous. Yeah. I I just hadn't thought about that. Wow. Um, (laughs) But I was kind of, like, thinking about it as, like, maybe it was a story about, like, child neglect near the beginning because they're you know they've been abandoned they've just been left to sit in the dark and watch cartoons right and Mm -hmm. left to their own devices and but as the the story progressed i i kind of just lost it i i really just i don't know like what it's about i feel like i need to see it again before i could like so i read a theory okay and um i think it's kind of you know what it's about (laughs) i mean at least i i understand this theory very fully and i think it's probably the closest we'll get to a solidified explanation for what's going on Mm. um apparently it's about a coma like that kid's in a coma Um, yeah i was i was thinking like nightmare territory yeah so he you know he hit his head and went into the coma and everything else from there are these fragmented shots from his memories of being in that house um his sister has no face anymore because he's forgetting faces by being stuck in this coma for some why there's that one shot of the hallway that goes on forever and it says 572 days over it um that's how long he's been in that coma and yeah you know, etc from there it's so i i get that and i feel like that is probably the underlying theme and i would like to watch it again to figure that out but i don't know if i want to watch it again right now <laughs> If 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 it comes, I, I I saw that it is it's expanding, it's like theatrical release. Because it, cool. it, it surpassed like a million dollars, right? Oh really? Yeah. That's awesome. which, yeah. Which that's great. I you know an independent film like this raking a million bucks, that's great. That's awesome. Um, so like if it comes like if it if it comes like a little closer to me, I I might go see it again in the theater because I like that that coma theory is interesting yeah because because that was probably the most confused I was the whole film was when it said 572 days yeah it is very awkward. and I was like, like I was like what late 572 days later since this like I was like I was like in relation to what I was trying to like figure out I do like the movie overall and it has stuck with me which is very cool um mm-hmm. and i like to again you know watch it again i just i feel i need to put it away for a bit until it's almost escaped my mind and then revisit it and, yeah you know get that reaction again but watch it at home on my laptop with my headphones on full volume <laughs> <laughs> you guys have any more uh thoughts on skinnamarink Well, yeah, I no, guess that's I it. Mean, what, do, what do we want to? What do we want to rank it? Um, I gave it. Th- this is just like, I gave it a five out of ten. Out of ten. Yeah, just because. Okay. Just be. I now that I know that there are jump scares, maybe my next experience will be a little better. Because mm-hmm. as those kept happening, I kept getting more and more annoyed with the film for doing it, and. But I think I think one like if I know that that's coming and like you said like I let it like simmer in my subconscious for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think I could. It could. I could. I definitely could see it going up. I don't see it going any lower than that. Like all my gripes, I already know all my gripes all right. with the movie. But now it's like, what can I get out of it next? Yeah. What about you, Cody? Uh, you guys are gonna hate me. I gave it a hey. nine out of ten. It's 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 just so effective to me. I'm in love with the style. I it it makes me feel uh, so nostalgic and so deeply troubled i i just i'm in love with it i really i think it's that's fine i I, the reason i wanted to talk about this is because the reviews for it have been so polarizing Mm. in this yeah either love it or you hate it um there really is no kind of middle ground for this movie um yeah it either affects or it simply doesn't um but i think you know it is a solely unique experience and it stuck with me and i think it succeeds in that way and I would love to see what else this director is capable of. It's like a solid six out of ten for me for right now. Word. Closer to like a seven than a five, but it's a. I liked. It. Yeah, it's it's definitely like a tentpole film, not like the blockbuster tentpole film, but it's like it's a marker. I feel like, like I yeah. feel like I like it's gonna be a film that people are gonna be debating for a long time. I don't think people are just going to watch it and, like, forget about it and, like, never talk about it again. I surely haven't. Yeah. Speaking of things that uh, I kind of want to forget about, um, Cody recommended something. (laughs) You you were going to work on these segues, buddy. (laughs) Why don't you uh, tell us about your recommendation, Mr. Cody? Yes. So, um... Recently, Peacock has released a series uh, called Paul T. Goldman. It chronicles uh, uh, the apparent life, I'll say that, of this guy, Paul T. Goldman, uh, in sort of a docu-series kind of true crime slash uh, like kind of behind-the-scenes documentary type thing. Uh, it's It's very, I guess, meta. I don't want to say that just to say it, but it does take on a lot of genres Mm -hmm. uh and it's wild what did you guys think about paul t goldman (laughs) i mean who you want to go first john you go first have have what episode did you guys watch up to i watched to yeah two five i've seen four i saw four episodes i watched all of them everything that's out at the moment yeah oh the the frank grillo jump scare Freaked my beat. Right. I thought that shit was so funny. Oh, what was the other? Oh, so, no, something else. There was some other specific joke that really made me so upset. I don't remember what it was. All right, Mr. Turner. Oh, okay. What did you think about this? Um, I, it's... Well, first off, actually, Cody, it's your recommendation. What do you think about this? Oh. What do you to recommend this to us? <laughs> um, well, I, uh, I was just, I've heard a lot of great things about it. Did you? Uh, <laughs> Yeah. And Why? I, <laughs> and where? <laughs> most, I mean, mostly just just other like you know goofy internet people. Mm-hmm. Um, but people were saying it was it was similar to the rehearsal. Uh, you know, Nathan Fielder's new project, um, <laughs> and it was very meta. It was it went in a lot of different directions. People were comparing this guy to Tommy Wiseau. Uh-huh. So I I was like I have to check this out. Um, and I, I watched it. I thought I really liked it. I thought it was uh, really complicated. I thought it kind of had a weird angle it was taking on Paul Goldman. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I thought it, he was kind of a weird guy, but I wanted to see what was up with him. And I think just as the series progressed, especially watching it uh, week by week, and I think just watching where it went, it just like had me hooked. I don't know. What do you, what, what do you about you guys? I, I I feel like the sentiment is not shared. Well, I find I do find the show really interesting, but like you know, I haven't finished. You know, the show's not over, right? Mm-hmm. And and I I I it's it's like it's whipping me around to like opposite corners of a rectangle over and over again. <laughs> And yeah, I, I feel like like I don't know what's meta, what's not. Like the exactly, only thing yeah. I'm minorly confident in is that Paul T. Goldman doesn't exist, <laughs> and this is fictional. <laughs> yeah, yes. Well, he does. Paul Paul Goldman exists, or maybe maybe Paul Goldman doesn't even exist. Paul yeah, T. Goldman right. is a fiction. Yeah, because the just the like uh... name Paul Goldman, right? <laughs> what's uh? What's uh? Well, maybe that's not exactly. even his real name. We don't know how many how many pseudonyms does he use? Exact, and it's I f- I I feel like I can't like get a grasp of all the different working parts. Like I don't like I don't know what really like you know we don't. I feel like we don't know anything about his ex wife really. Like, there's yeah. like, no like concrete evidence for anything in this thing i i feel i feel like he almost just has to be a character because like how do you construct someone this weird mm-hmm. well, see, you know okay, so this is <laughs> do you like the show turner i mean i i've enjoyed my time with it oh yeah i'll say i like it but i don't know what <laughs> it's trying like i don't know what the end goal is yet Alright, so my whole issue is, unlike Skin of Marink, where the more I think about it, the more I like it. The more I think about Paul T. Goldman, the more I do not like it. Really? I think it is incredibly disingenuous. Um, and it is extremely questionable from a, from the director's side and Paul's side. Um, and I don't think it does either of them very well um well you i think you don't know what paul's in on versus what he's not i think from right now what i can get because episode five basically told you that he's kind of just an asshole that's like taking advantage of the director to get his fake story out there but the director and and also advantage of him but paul's taking advantage of a movement against trafficking to sell his books but he's not he's not he's, he's not He's spamming people. He's he is. He's like spamming it. He's he's taking these. But he's you know, not. He, he's ma- people. He made an he's entire in. website about human trafficking, and all he did was promote himself. There is not exactly. Yeah, there's not. Okay, I think we were agreeing with each other. We just weren't understanding. Yeah, no, I I think he's supposed to be a villain, and I think a lot like the he's not a good dude. Where he <laughs> exactly? I think when he gets called out for that a, a mail order bride service is sex trafficking, and he just doesn't know what to say. I think that exemplifies everything right there. Paul T. Goldman, I feel like, is a questionable, probably morally bad person. Yeah, and it's the whole thing's supposed to you know you're not supposed to care. Plus the the fucking Royce Rocco. <laughs> showing up at the end yes, but, and now we're going to get someone who can dispute everything but this show just spent four episodes committing me to this story mm-hmm. and being like 
well, this could possibly be real, and I'm invested into this. And then spent episode five being like, oh, yeah, uh, no, forget about all of that. We're going to go this direction now and basically admit that everything you just heard was basically false. And you're watching a documentary about an asshole that's has no purpose other than using television to his advantage to, for his own ego. And, then, and now it's just really annoying and there's no point for me to really continue into something that was that disingenuous and is just proving to me that me watching it is just feeding into this man. I don't know. I think both of them are but, shitty people. <laughs> and I but I, I think that's part of the story. I think Paul's supposed to, like, you, and then you don't know if, if he really is a character or not because you're unveiling all these different layers to him. And, you know, you, you really can't trust what he says, but maybe that's part of the story and his character. Um, I, I, sorry, I think, uh, John, you have watched the rehearsal, right? Of course, and I love the rehearsal. I think the way that he uses TV to, like, build a perfect family for himself and, like, try to control everything is a lot like how Paul Goldman is using TV to, you know, try to get his life back and try to, you know, have people pretend to be his wife, have people pretend to be his son, you know? I, He's trying to get his life back. See, whereas you can compare the rehearsal in this, it the rehearsal is Nathan Fielder doing that because he wants to find out more about himself whereas paul goldman the the rehearsals they think feel because he's doing it because he, he thinks it's funny yeah but see I, he think if he think not, it funny. Yeah, but it's not just that he doesn't just think it's funny <laughs> he's learning about himself whereas paul t goldman is just feeding into his own ego and is pretending to be this person that he's not just for clout yeah i, I think I, this is I guess, um, as I, because I haven't seen episode five, I didn't know that that was out. <laughs> My bad. It's oh, okay. Yeah, wow. No, Sorry. I don't want to spoil it for you. Spoilers <laughs> don't bother me that much. So, it's, <laughs> please spoil on. Because, I mean, it's basically, <laughs> I'll go back and watch episode five and get a better grasp. But, um, but I guess, like, I could see. I can let now knowing why what you guys said about episode five, I guess it, it turns into less of this uh, because the, the story feels outside of Paul for it most of the time. Them shooting a movie, right? It doesn't become the story of Paul and his wife anymore. It becomes it, Paul. It's more of a care screenplay, yeah, and seeing out a movie. At this point, all of that is in the past. They are literally now just filming a movie that is completely fictional and is made up from Paul's mind. Anything, and I think that's I think gone. that's really funny. But, I but really it's, love it's all gone. That. There's no reason for to be intrigued anymore. It's just Paul got his he got what he wanted. He got the attention, and now he's using this to make a movie that's completely f like f fictional about these real people that he has no. They have no input in this. He has no input on them. He could be lying this whole time. I don't know. It's just completely disingenuous to me. I just really well, maybe. And I think I think that's the point. I think it's supposed to make you question reality television. Yeah, I think I think. Well, yeah, that's yeah, but they don't just watch the rehearsal or Kenny versus Spenny. I guess that, like that that's I what I was kind of gonna say. Is like I feel like it's 
like Paul being a, a hack, which I think is kind of like it's pretty blatant by even episode four is like he's just like a hack. And, you know, this isn't really like like the his story is completely questionable. And, and yeah. I think it's kind of about like how media circuses will start running with something but then maybe it, it isn't quite what it seems. You know, as the director is like, so is this how, did this happen? He's like, no. He's like, you know, as the director confronts him more and more, I feel like you you do reveal slightly more of what's happening. <laughs> he's still feeding into him. He's giving him Oh, yeah. More. He's, I mean, it's, but Paul, Paul Goldman's bringing in the money. I think. Right? Yeah. I think you could also argue he's kind of making fun of him, too. I guess I. I don't know. There, there, for every thing that you can say, like this show is doing right, there's a wrong. And it's. I. I, I just thought it was interesting, at, from a filmmaking perspective. That's, it that's is interesting. the only reason I suggested it's it. It's one hundred percent interesting. I thought switching up the formats oh, and yeah. stuff was just. Yeah. I thought I, that would I be. Agree. It's like a bunch yeah. of different pastiches of, or like parodies of every netflix crime documentary i've ever seen <laughs> you know it has that kind of yeah. vibe to it. at least like yeah but it tries originally. to be a real one itself and fails <laughs> I, I don't know i i guess i'm under the I, assumption i guess i'm under the assumption this that this is a performance that this isn't they i don't think paul is real but then again it, it but then it just feeds into the completely being disingenuous so what what's the whole point in screwing over your audience well being like Oh, this was all fake the entire time. Well, I think the the reels wasted all this time for nothing. The reels, I th- <laughs> just fed you lies for five episodes. It's kind of like it does. I can I can see what you mean. Like it does take a long time to like. I guess like I feel like the real point of the story is unraveling this lie that Paul and unraveling Paul too probably as it goes. Uh, I think on. you guys give the director too much credit. I watched an interview with him about this and they were talking about it and we're like what led you to paul like what made you think he would be a fascinating subject for a documentary and he literally was just like i don't know (laughs) (laughs) like i don't know man (laughs) it's hard to know with stuff that's so meta it's hard to know what's genuine and like what's an act right i guess that's that i think that's just this this series wanted to start I think that's the conversation the series was wanting to start was like the yeah. I guess the um what like what you are presented is not necessarily what is true maybe. Yeah, but I can I can just watch much better examples of that done. And 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 by people that actually have a reason for doing mm-hmm. it instead of one and I don't know and two for their own personal benefit. Yeah, I mean, I get. I haven't seen the rehearsal. I guess so. I, I don't really have much to compare this to. I I, th- I think mainly it's just the the meta aspect of it, um, and and not to keep saying that it's you know meta just to be meta, but I I think it's using its uh its position as a TV show to lean into that, which is I think the only thing that you know really compares mm-hmm. it to it yeah, no, I, I get what you guys are saying both your pros it's just it's hard for me to see any good here 
when it's all just mm-hmm. basically a screw you in the end. And I'm going to keep watching it to see where it goes. I will finish yeah, the season. Yeah, me too. Uh, will it piss me off? Undeniably. <laughs> I will finish it. Which I don't know if I should because then I'm feeding into it. It's all questionable. The whole thing is questionable. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's the point, but we'll see. We'll see. I'll question we'll yeah. question everything. Question everything. Paul T. Yeah, that should be his motto. Yeah. <laughs> Man based all of his factual evidence off of an animal psychic. <laughs> that she was my favorite part. <laughs> she was the funniest part for me was the psychic. I love that that stuff. That, that, that was I went really... on her website oh God, and saw yeah. that she did animals, but I asked her if she did humans, and she said yes. And then he bases his entire thing off of it. <laughs> and he's have Have you guys looked into? He, Sorry, he, he asked her. What was it? He asked her for like, can you talk to? It's some celebrity. It's like, can you so, talk yeah, to this celebrity? And she's like, oh, I know yeah. what you're talking about. And she's like, oh yeah, they're saying this. <laughs> just like they, they are guiding you on your path to this yeah, just like right like she can just tune in like that you know yeah and then he's like can you talk to my mother and she just goes no sorry i can't <laughs> <laughs> have you guys done a deep dive and like tried to look up any like the videos of him as the the author or like any of the tweets no i watched I um i watched one video on his personal youtube channel which is the one that they show in the show mm-hmm. Of just him kind of being like, oh, duplicity out now, like, support me, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Did you find anything cool on your deep dive? I, I didn't know. I didn't do the deep dive. I wanted to know if you... Oh. Uh... Eh, just surface level stuff. I didn't really care to go that deep. Yeah. <laughs> was, you know. I didn't know there was stuff to look into. I just kind of like watched a show and was like, nice, okay. <laughs> yeah. so it's it's interesting to know, know that there's a bunch of uh i'll say content that's kind of a dirty word but uh outside of the show the the paul goodman yeah arg yeah the arg yeah that's a bear <laughs> i will finish it and i will question myself in the process of doing so but if if, if miraculously this show changes my mind we'll talk about it again but for right now I'll finish it and probably never think about it again. That's valid. Um, what do you guys think about Goldman? Thinking Saul Goodman. So I, I all I, I also will I'll sometimes type in Salty Goodman. Yeah. <laughs> but it's uh you know, it's it's I'm intrigued. That that's all I can say for certain about it really. Is that it is intrigued me. Word, yeah. I, you know, I don't know how I'm going to feel about it by the end, but... I agree. You... I think I'm just obsessed with, like, weird meta TV, so... No, it's me just... too. It's just, there's, again, so much better examples out there that have something to say. I just, I'm seeing a product that is just two people taking advantage of the medium for their own personal benefit. That that's That's all I get out of. You guys have ratings for the first five episodes of Paul T. Goldman. <laughs> I, uh, I guess if I was to give it a rating, I'd give it like a a seven or something. You know, I enjoy. I've enjoyed my uh, my journey so far. 
Uh, I'll say seven too. I'll say seven. All right, I'm at like a five right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. We'll see if it changes. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, some of it just as a documentary is is it's fine. It's standard stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, uh, it's a little messed up. I don't know. Paul T. Goldman. Paul T. Goldman. What a Paul what a guy. T. Goldman. Oh, God, yeah, what a guy. <laughs> you know, I'm not worried about this Paul T. Go- Goldman character. He seems like a real jerk. <laughs> yeah. All right, question. Question. We're in the question segment of the show. Uh, we mentioned earlier where you can leave your questions. Do it. Mm-hmm. I'll make threads. It'll be fun. Um, but for today, we got some meaty boys, which is pretty cool. We always have meaty boys on this podcast. That's true. <laughs> always. Uh, uh, what do I want to start off with? All right, let's start off with this one. This one's interesting because it applies to me, kind of. Um, what is the goriest film you've ever watched? Ugh. Well. All right, well, I watched a film the other day called Adam Chaplin, um, which is, it's a gore fest, and that's all it is. Um that's definitely up there. Uh, let me think. Let me think. I guess um, I'll say uh, the the world record holder for most fake blood used, uh, brain dead. Oh, that's a goodie. Is, is it, it's called yeah. something else. Dead, dead alive. alive. That's what it is. That's the like American name and stuff, right? Yeah, I love yeah, brain dead. dead. Te- you know, so I mean. I love that movie and the gore, of course. Sam Raimi, master, master at work. Or is that Sam Raimi? Sorry, I always do that. No, Sam. Sam Raimi, you're right. It. Oh, I am. Okay, thank goodness. I. I'm pretty sure. I thought I got because I. I, I'll get Sam Raimi and um. The Lord of the Rings guy. I can't even remember Peter Jackson mixed. Peter Jackson. Because he has like the like (laughs) the feebles and bad taste. Oh yeah. Like he has those early like gross out films I have to go look now oh wait apparently there's a scene in the original Evil Dead that used over 50,000 gallons of blood which means it is the record of the bloodiest movie scene of all time wow I love Evil Dead so much yeah um Cody what's do you have an answer I I mean I guess I gotta say Evil Dead because I don't watch a lot of uh gory bloody movies Mm. yeah Adam Chaplin was really hardcore gore um i mean the guinea pig movies i guess are like fine i guess um i've never seen any of those ones no you don't have to i hear i hear it doesn't this isn't the sixth one supposedly really good (laughs) i don't they get like really corny i don't know it's Mm -hmm. it's stupid um you guys ever watch ricky o ricky o's got some yes indeed i love ricky o um Ooh. I mean, I guess like, I mean, gore, gore. Yeah, I don't know. I guess those are fine. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Oh, I have a, I have a question to feed on top of that. Oh. Is there any movie like violent movie scene that really got under your skin before? Like any any specifically gross thing that happens in like movies that really gets under you 
Well, the 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 uh, fingernail, the Spanish splinter and puss in uh, boots. <laughs> oh, I oh, All right, so my answer that. is also anything that has to do with nails. Mm-hmm. Nails freak dude. Uh, I can't watch anything that has to like people peeling off a nail or like a like a cuticle or anything. Mm-hmm. I can't. Watch. Yeah, it freaks me out. Yeah, so nails are they're a touchy subject. <laughs> so gross, like Black Swan. Um. Do you guys know the scene uh, in, in there's in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street three? <laughs> uh, Freddy's he's like he's like puppeting the guy through his yeah, veins, and it's I it's it freaks me out. I think about that scene every single day of my life. I hate see, but that's it. like that's stuff. fun gore though. Like it's it's fun. It's yeah, no, I I like it, and I I mean I love all the the nightmare kills for that reason. Mm-hmm. But I, it's just specifically the vein thing that just gets under my skin. Um, the, I guess the, uh, have either of you seen Don't Look Now? With, um, uh, I Julie think. Christy, Donald uh... Sutherland. Oh, no, no, that's not my watch list. Okay. I want to watch that. The, the opening scene for that movie is, uh, is like, is haunting. It's, uh, I don't want to say it because it's. You know, I think part of it is like you don't know what it don't is. Spoil anything. You want to watch? Yeah, um, but if anyone listening knows, they will know what I mean. If All anyone right. listening has seen it, maybe one day in a recommendation. Maybe. All right, I have three more questions for us to answer, and they're probably each. Okay. Um, the first one. Which I think, Cody, you're going to have a lot to say about this. This comes from Harry. How do you feel about literally me characters in cinema? For example, someone like Patrick Bateman. Like characters that people obsess over in internet culture that probably shouldn't be looked up to. Um, okay. Uh, I think it's really, really funny to look up to literally me characters i think the joker is it's just so funny to to like that dude um i think with a lot of literally me characters and how people like uh kind of like sigma male uh kind of romanticize them and like especially all their bad aspects like you know hating women and 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 wanting to kill women and uh like being so like re- resilient and the strong silent type like mm-hmm. that is very troubling and i i think a lot of these are like well-made movies and like these are well-written characters but these but, are people that i uh, like you know people watching really look up to and are like i see myself in that person 100 percent, and i want to be that person which is very concerning <laughs> very yeah, troubling that's, I, yeah that's troubling i like i have some uh I don't want to say pity. I don't think that's the right word. Concern. Because I I definitely, you know, it's easy to see the appeal. The, like, the stoic loner who, like, just does, like, you know, who... Travis Bickle. Yeah, you know, and, and, you know, these these characters are ultimately lonely. And, Mm -hmm. you know, those the, the guys who, like, worship Travis Bickle and Patrick Bateman, they're lonely, too. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's basically it, it it's like a poor coping mechanism for uh 
for what's going on in their own lives. They're like trying to live vicariously through mm-hmm. these like literally me. Yeah. Like cuz everyone thinks like that if they, you know, like pe- that you'll you'll find amongst these people like they have like they have almost like power fantasies. These these people. <laughs> sorry, not to sorry not to, not to other them. <laughs> no, that's so funny. <laughs> uh. but, you know they they kind of like law bark and no bite, and like they wish they had the bite that like like they wish that they could go into a a prostitute den and kill all the bad people there and save the innocent prostitute. You know, like Travis Bickle, but. Yeah. It's just not realistic. And it's totally a power fantasy I... hidden under self-pity. Absolutely. Right. I think there's a lot to, um a lot of these dudes also just don't have mm-hmm. social like skills at all and people don't know how to like they don't know how to connect with other people. They don't know how to uh like be anything other than, you know, what they see mm-hmm. in movies. And they kind of like latch onto that as a coping mechanism. Yeah. All right. Um, I love Sigma edits, though. They are one of the funniest things that come up on my for you page. The Sigma mails. Yeah, like the Sigma edits. Like it'll be yeah. in black. It'll... I really, really like Sigma edits. They are really fun. Ironically, ironically, yeah, like, I love. Really, uh, really, I love. I especially love Breaking Bad Sigma edits. Because it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's like, it, it's like Walter Wise literally being like one of the worst humans in the world in this scene. I want to be like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think you know. Right. Else to say about that question? Uh, I'm good. Uh, what are your literally oh, yeah. characters? Me personally? <laughs> yeah, who's literally you? Yeah. Oh, I don't know, man. That's a hard question. Um, like characters that I like see myself in fully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my god, that's a hard question. Uh, I'll go. Well, sure, I'll go. I'll go. Mm-hmm. Okay, ready? I'll give you four. Four, damn. John Rambo, John <laughs> Rambo, Rocky Balboa, John McClane, and uh, 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 uh Frisco from Homestuck. I I mean, you could do it. I was. I don't know what you're talking um, about. The main character in Ryan Johnson's Brick. If I had seen Brick in high school, I have no idea. I would have been so annoying. Because I'd just be trying to be him, you know? (laughs) Like, I'd get. Uh, He has this, like, jacket that's, like. It's, like, this beige jacket that it, it kind of stands out it's kind of a unique jacket but like i definitely will like mm-hmm. bought that jacket and like try and like start talking in this like antiquated noir like what's the guy's name from drive that everybody obsesses over the driver is that literally his name i think he i, think, <laughs> I don't think you ever learn his name i gotta rewatch drive me too it's been years i'm not saying i relate to him i'm just saying i know a lot yeah, of people that do <laughs> um if you wanted like my incel answer, I guess Theodore Twombly from her. Mm-hmm. Um, if you oh. want like my actual answer, probably uh, Joel Barish from Eternal Sunshine. Um, 
my main one that I think I completely like perfectly relate to and is literally me is Todd Chavez from Bojack Horseman. Todd, <laughs> um, love Todd. That's like the the definition. That's that's the one. Um, but that's a TV show. But we can still talk about TV shows. Yeah. Just to our next question, actually. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Look yeah. at that segue. I'm improving. Yeah, that was good. That was pretty. That good. was good. That was pretty good. <laughs> um, we got a question from Root that is asking, uh, "What are TV shows that we would give?" Are equivalent to ten out of tens, too. Like, what? What are some I have... perfect teams that we like? Um, I'm gonna close my your noise. I apologize. Okay. <laughs> I I like. Uh, I want to say I haven't seen um the third season, but Twin Peaks is like an okay, all-time. Good choice. Even the I know a lot of people don't like have a lot of issues with the second season. Because it does kind of get goofy. Because David Lynch like left during mm-hmm. uh, season two. There's like a bunch of infighting and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you read about on Wikipedia. Um, but, um, but I I even like the silly stuff. Like, have you guys seen Twin Peaks? Um, I I've seen. I know some of the like memes half now. of it. Oh, you know James <laughs> Hurley, the yes. biker guy. He yes. um they, there's this subplot with him um and it basically goes nowhere. It's just a useless subplot where he goes to this rich he he leaves town and he, and he goes and lives lives with this rich lady for like 2 weeks as like her errand Same. boy and then he comes back. And it's just like it's just like the misadventures of James Hurley for like <laughs> for like three or four or like five episodes <laughs> um that's weird but he's but i i still enjoy it <laughs> even though it, it's less uh it's not like surreal and like thought-provoking like a lot of twin peaks is yeah i gotta finish twin peaks one day me too i got um let's get the obvious one out of the way breaking bad mm-hmm. i see you would give that a 10 out yes. of 10. I fully understand that. I have some opinions on Breaking Bad episodes I that I don't think a lot of them... You, you want to you wanna have a mini argument I've right only, now, Cody? I've only seen up to season four. Oh, damn. And that's, that's, the, that's I think that's my problem, is some of the earlier stuff in season one is a little slow. All right, Cody, let's, let's have this mini argument right now. I'm going to piss you off. I think the worst yes. episode of Breaking Bad is Fly. I completely well, get you that. Told me not you everyone love has that to like episode. it. I love it. I absolutely love that episode, but I understand it's not everyone's I, thing. I think that's a bad episode. I think it's really great for for dissecting what Walter is feeling I up to Fly. that point. I also love Fly. Um, I'm a Fly it's so, defender. Right? For sure. I don't like Fly. I don't think he's... Um, and I think some of the later... Like, I think some of the season five stuff falls off a little bit towards the end. Like, I don't like the i i think some of the the hoops walter has to jump through to start the his you know his empire i think isn't that interesting and i don't like lydia i hate lydia so i hate skylar <laughs> you hate skylar why um, because no, she's a woman I who doesn't skylar want her who doesn't so want her much. husband no, no, lying no, 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 to no. her why? i could have this why? debate why? forever from episode one to the very last episode of that show i hate skylar white she the worst Why? human being. Why? I I think some of the stuff that she does is worse than what Walter. Does. 
Like what? Like what? Um, <laughs> sleeping with another man while you're in a marriage with a family as to get back. She thought he was having an affair. She thought he was having an affair. He, he wasn't. obviously clearly was lying okay, about something. Okay, but that doesn't mean you can just go sleep with then someone and ruin your entire she family know that. because you're inferring that your husband... He's already ruining the I, family, I'm not Don. saying that he doesn't do anything bad. I just think that what she does is equally bad. I hate Skylar. I think she's... It's not equal. She's not killing people. That's true. I, I don't know, Walter man. White once, Walter people. White kills people, John. Is Walter White your literally me character? I, I totally get. I mean, I, I, having only seen the, like, I'm on, like, episode six or seven of season four or something. Like, mm. I totally get like disliking Skylar. Like, I, oh, I get it. I get so it so much. much. Like especially because she pisses me off so also much. Also the uh the all her anti drugs like marijuana stuff is so like That's exactly it's, like, what so antiquated, say. especially now, you know. Like we're She's too suburban know, yeah, white it's mom. In the like late two thousands, right? Well, the show the show yeah. is very dated, but it's yeah, it's it's it, of its time. Yeah, it's a, I yeah. don't I don't mind that. It's just, it, it, and I, I think it's a realistic part of her character that she, you know you know her her yeah. sister's husband, her brother in law, is a DA agent too. You know, but, uh, I, I yeah. you can talk for a while about it. I will never get behind Skylar White. I hate Skylar White. Okay, he's All the right. worst. Okay. We're moving past All this. Right. Open, so, open the uh, door. Dwight, what other what other shows? What other um, shows? Nathan for you and the rehearsal goodies. Um, I was gonna say the rehearsal too. Very good. Uh, uh, I can name a bunch. I can just drop them off a bunch. Uh, okay, Cowboy Bebop. Okay. Ten out of ten. Um, Better Call Saul. Even though I'm not done with it. Ten. Out of 10. I will get back to you when I'm done with it. I have one season left. I but I th I think even just from what I've seen so far, it's just so effective and and so great. I'm gonna say one before I forget. Bojack Horseman. Yeah. Bojack Horseman. Okay. I I love. Uh, uh, as for ten out of tens, I can like lists that I really like that I probably wouldn't give it. Mm -hmm. I I I was gonna say, I would give a ten out of ten to Gravity Falls. Okay. If some of the episodes weren't super, but I think Gravity Falls is like the most effective, like I'm perfect thing ever. Gravity Falls, and I just yeah, thank you, thank you for. I was struggling, I was struggling there with coming go. up with like <laughs> TV shows because I don't watch a lot of TV, but Gravity mm -hmm. Falls definitely is like for for me, especially because so me and my sister watched it and we like Aww. we were like just the perfect age, like Dipper and Mabel. Like when that first season came out, and like we yeah. went, we multiple years went as Dipper and Mabel, <laughs> as how in Halloween, Aww. yeah. We gotta post. I will. I'll, I'll, I'll ask my mom. We gotta post it on the on the Instagram. I will. I'll, I'll get some. Uh, I'll get some pictures. As for shows that I like that I wouldn't give a ten, that I'm off the top of my head, uh, I like The Boys. I think The Boys is good. Um, okay, I like okay. One Punch Man a lot. Yeah, one point. I've only seen one the first run. season, but I, I really love oh. it. Oh, season two, you have to watch it twice because you probably. I mean, I didn't like it at first, and then I sat on it and I liked it. Okay, thank uh, you. That's a good tip. I have some more shows sure. I could say. The Bear. Mm -hmm. the bear. I, I haven't seen classic. that. I heard about it. Um, yeah, I haven't seen that either. Uh, uh, I was the about last to say okay. Avatar: The good, Last good Airbender. Yeah. yeah, there we go. 
That's a great one. Eric Andre. Eric Andre. <laughs> uh, Not a 10, but I'm just saying I like it a lot. One. I I love it. I, I think some of the jokes just don't land, especially in, you know, some of the Oh, you know what I really like that I'm shocked you haven't mentioned, Cody? Uh, doing the Shadow what? Show is very good. I love it. I think it's rocky. I think some episodes are weaker than others, but I, I like, I love it. I, I will always love it. It is very it. good. Um, I just, I just think some of the episodes. Do you are like Letterkenny? I loved Letterkenny, and then I just kind of stopped yeah, watching it because it got because there were like ten seasons releasing mm-hmm. every two days. Um, oh, this is great. It's always sunny. It's great. I don't think it, it's. Pro- I don't think it's perfect because some of the skits just some of the skits just don't land. But Chappelle's show is okay. like a really like great sketch comedy show. I think. I've never seen it. Oh, you've got to. The, the first episode is crazy, too, because every, um, just every skit in that first episode is, like, an all-timer. Like, that, the Clay Ooh. and Bigsby sketch, for example, is in, is in that, which is the, uh, <laughs> the, um, the blind black member of the KKK <laughs> sketch. Oh, my goodness. Yep. <laughs> all right let's move on to our last question um who do we think is the best villain in cinema history oh, this man. comes from pedro by the way oh pedro always with the tough questions yes all right off the top of my head yeah I don't want to say it. <laughs> I, Heath Ledger's Joker is up there. Uh-huh. It is a really, really, really yes. good performance. It's definitely my favorite um, part of the movie. That's definitely up there. Um, what's his... I always forget his character's name, but Christoph Waltz in Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I don't uh, remember, man. Um, I can't either. <laughs> That's bad. Um, uh, I always forget his name too, but uh, Javier Bardem in No Country for Old Men. Mm-hmm. You know yeah, that super... I've only seen half of that movie. Oh, you gotta finish it. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say Frank Booth in Blue Velvet. Okay. Ooh. You know. What about um, Alex DeLarge, Clockwork Orange? Oh yeah. You consider him a villain? <laughs> for most of the movie. Yes. Yeah. Is that? Um, that's like the main guy in the Drews, right? It's like you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Lindsay, whatever his name is, Anderson, I think. Nurse Ratchet's a good one. I love. Um. Didn't they? Did you ever watch the Nurse Ratchet show? No. The the one. Uh, Who was that for? The guy Who that was made that American for? Why did they make Didn't he do that? I don't even know. Mm-hmm. I don't care. <laughs> oh. Um. What about Daniel Plainview? From. There uh, will be blood. Ah. Uh-huh. Menacing. That's a goodie. Tyler Durden. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's a. I think he's. He's a terrorist. Yes, he's a villain. <laughs> Psychological. Now. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna come in with a. Um. This is a deep cut. Um. 
if anyone here is a fan of Thomas the Tank Engine, um, and Thomas and the Magic Railroad <laughs> Diesel 10, the train with the claw arm, yeah, have <laughs> either oh, of you seen this? No, that, but that's now I want no. a great contender no. for scenes in movies that freaked you out. It's this scene where he's just like grabbing <laughs> at Thomas and chasing him on the rails. It's horrifying. Diesel? Oh, God. Diesel 10, yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> he's we should menacing. Win. Yeah, wait, I've seen this. <laughs> I've what? seen this. Seen it, yes. I, I own the Shout Factory Blu-ray of this movie. Oh my God, I love Shout that Wow. This is a real staple. That's great. So, Thomas is scary. You know, we should do an episode one day on childhood trauma in movies. And like, yeah. what scared kids. That'd be a cool episode. And, um, any other villains you guys can think of? Uh, uh, off the top of my head, hmm. uh, whoever's texting in front of me in a movie, it's uh, <laughs> a good villain. Haha. Um, <laughs> um oh, Darth yeah. Vader. I mean, sure. You know, yeah. iconic. Yeah. Always. No. Would have been better if he went. Nokia. <laughs> I'm leaving. The... <laughs> no, he left. He left. Cody, come back. We need to finish. We gotta do the outro. Hello. I can't. I can't believe that. I, I can't believe you would pull that on me. I can't believe you snuck it in. It has been mentioned in every episode that we've done. It has to stay. <laughs> All right. I think that's it for, for this episode. Um, it is Turner's turn to recommend a film to be discussed in the next one. So whatever he recommends, try and watch it by next episode. So you don't have to pause. You can just listen to us talk about it. And you can, you know, understand. Yeah. So, I pick, Turner, is your recommendation for this week? I picked a much easier film to find. Um, it's called The Harder They Come by Perry Hensel. Oh. The first, uh, the first film out of Jamaica. Um, with a legendary soundtrack Ooh. featuring Jimmy Cliff, um, Tucson the Maytals are in it, and among plenty of other reggae, ska legends and where can we find this if uh, also for the audience of course it's on it's on a lot of stuff it's on peacock it's on hoopla Tubi. Yeah, peacock has been kind of coming in handy for the last few months. yeah <laughs> it's it's on canopy too um fandor pluto okay. plex it's on like all the free ones cool i think you're making a point <laughs> at this point <laughs> this is here's on Glupo. Yeah. You got that's a good gup call. Yeah. Well, if you don't want to be spoiled for The Harder They Come, 1972, um, watch it before next week's episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, hope you guys enjoyed, and we will see you in the next one. Peace out. Have a happy you. <laughs>